0: Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation, and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast, Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus, until we hit play. It is time. It's, it's really time. This episode, it's finally time.
1: Hmm. As in, like, it's a, about, the, the subject matter is about time, or it's about time that we did this song, or both.
0: Hey, arguably time. It's very much representative of a time. It's Mm. about time. It's about space. It's about people. It's about... I think it represents different things to different people. And it's one that's been in high demand the whole time we've had this podcast. Interesting.
1: My mind is reeling.
0: Well, first, uh, Mm. I do want to just have a little toast here. My Sierra Nevada. Juicy little thing. Uh, which is a great new addition to the Sierra Nevada lineup. Very much enjoying it. Is it is indeed. Um, definitely one of my favorites. I'm going to be picking that up whenever I can. But uh, just a little toast uh, to everybody who reached out about the last episode. They're coming to take me away. Ha ha. One of the biggest reactions we've had, which is crazy because I didn't even know the damn song.
1: Pretty well. And I thought almost all of our listeners wouldn't know the song either, but um not only do a lot of listeners know the song but i feel like we have a lot of new listeners thanks to this very odd song i think as well. so
0: too yeah we've had a, a big reaction from uh listeners and then also people who are new who found it so the people were posting it so thanks to everybody who's been sharing the episodes it really helps um that's how we we gain uh, a lot of our new followers and listeners uh yeah there's like there's also people that knew the phrase or phrases from the song and it heard them. It didn't know what they were from and it blew their minds, which is so much fun.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, it was it was really great. Um, and also cheers to everybody who's been uh, been supporting the pod on our new website, ywhpod.com, picking up merch. Theo was showing off his coffee mug yesterday. Um, yeah, everything turned out great. It's it's good stuff. I hope everybody's enjoying. Uh, you could head to the website and get shirts and hats and Sweatshirts and coffee mugs, stickers, all
1: kinds of stuff. And if I don't know you already and I see you at a bar, randomly wearing one of our shirts or a windbreaker or something, 100%. buying you a drink, mark my words. You know what? Drinks, drinks for the whole bar, I would say. Well, that's because you live in Virginia. I'm not giving that out Depending here in New York. on
0: which bar, I guess. <laughs> what a little tiny bar. Yeah. You know, if it's at uh, Caribbean Social Club, drinks on you.
1: Okay, that's fair. Over well, the Johnsons, everyone can get $2 beer. But I draw the line there.
0: <laughs> I'm just ready to dive into this. We have a lot to talk about. I'm doing the right. proverbial, like like uh, John Oliver bit, where he's like, we got to get going. We have a lot to talk about, but th- it's true. We really do. Oh, <laughs> right, well. Um, so let's kick things off with the song that we're going to be discussing on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Yo, li-
1: Oh, we haven't done this yet? No. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: <laughs> You're
1: wearing blue. We're both wearing blue. I'm so, I'm so glad I'm wearing a blue shirt for this. What a jam. Eiffel 65. Let's go. You look, Hard, like the, baby. you look like the aliens in the video. Let's go. This is why we need a video podcast so everyone can see my great dancing moves here. Yeah, that's a lot of work, though. Yeah, it really is. You know the song. Eiffel 65. Of course I know the song. Great song. Eiffel
0: 65. The song is Blue Dabba D DJ Ponty Ice Pop Mix. Oh. Didn't know remix. that that's Did not know that's that. uh kind of a remix. We we will we'll learn all about it. Uh yes, this this song is by uh Italian Eurodance group, Eiffel Sixty Five. Oh. Um yes, they're called Eiffel Sixty Five and they're not from France.
1: Yeah, I just figured they were French.
0: I know. They're from Italy. Um, the group consists of vocalist and producer Jeffrey J. Real real name, Gianfranco Rondone. Couldn't find anything about how he got his stage name, Jeffrey J. I looked for it, couldn't find it. Um, Keyboardist and producer, uh, Mari Lobina. His real name is Maurizio Lobina. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, a little closer.
0: And producer and DJ, Gabri Ponte, short for Gabriele Ponte. Those make sense. Jeffrey J., I don't know what's going on there.
1: Jean Franco. I like it. Maybe he was like a Jazzy Jeff fan and like
0: Yeah. Or Jazzy Jay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah okay. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um so that's the band. But before we talk about IV 65, we have to talk about the Bliss team. Okay. I will be referencing a Vice documentary about this song that came out in twenty nineteen quite a bit. That's why
1: I thought we'd done it before. <laughs>
0: have you seen the documentary?
1: I've years ago probably when it came out yeah. yeah
0: um i i watched it the other night snuggled up on the couch with my dog a little, little cocktail we had a great time i love it uh it's definitely worth a watch if you want to learn more about the song and also uh well not more about the song but like hearing it from there from them telling it uh i think it's pretty cool and um seeing you get to see like where it was made and uh it's pretty neat it's a pretty well done documentary. A short documentary. You um, really kind of get the environment of Blue. Dabba tea. uh So, Bliss Team. It's 1991 in Sicily. Jeffrey J., our boy,
1: who was Never. born in
0: Italy, but lived in Brooklyn for five years as a teenager, no. is back in Italy for college. Uh, he's a huge George Michael's fan. Sure, And he kind of goes into that in the documentary a little bit. And he's been singing for a while, uh, and he gets a gig singing at a nightclub in Sicily. Uh so he kinda starts to see himself having a career singing in places like this. He likes it, he's having a good time. I mean, he's a college kid, like singing in a club. Sounds like fun.
1: Yeah. Sounds great. And
0: then suddenly the club shuts down. Hmm. So he's out of a job. Uh he's still in school. he has been singing at the club. All good
1: things must come to an I end. Know. As they say.
0: Yeah. Uh so in his Downtime he ends up recording a demo tape of himself singing and doesn't do much with it just something to have
1: do we have any of this
0: i don't we don't have the we don't
1: have the demo they don't play the documentary is he doing like pop music now or is it like
0: I couldn't tell in the documentary if he or or anywhere else for that matter if it were if it was a original songs or covers um it's just a demo of him singing uh, it very well could be. His own songs very well could be George Michael songs. I don't know, but a year later, after he makes tape, he's vacationing in Turin.
1: I was thinking, like, where does where does one vacation from? Cicely, oh, I know, right? Which is a vacation spot in and of itself, I guess. Yeah, Torin.
0: right. Like sure. mean, Italy is kind of like that everywhere, from what I can, yeah, what I can tell. Uh, so he's vacationing in Turin, and he visits a local music shop, looking around at guitars and keyboards and other instruments, and he ends up chatting with the shop owner and jeffrey mentions that he's a musician the shop owner asks if he would have heard anything jeffrey's made and jeffrey hands him the demo tape really impresses the shop owner and the shop owner gives the tape to massimo gabuti
1: uh my name is massimo
0: right he's a producer and studio owner uh who had just started the bliss corporation or blisco as it's more colloquially known Blisco was a recording studio and collective in Turin that hired musicians and producers to work in the studio and create mostly club or dance music. Most of these tracks were singles or would be included on compilations that went out to Italian club DJs and dance radio shows. They would produce these singles and then create personas and band names to give each track its own unique, mysterious identity. So they were like putting tracks on these, on these DJ mixes and just making up all the band names, like all fake artists that they're all making the music in the studio. Geez. Yeah. Um, Ma- what year is this? This is 1991. Oh wow. Yeah. Massimo was the leader and the mastermind behind the whole operation. So he hears Jeffrey singing. He meets with Jeffrey and he offers him a spot at Blisco as a singer and producer. So Jeffrey quits university and moves to Toron and takes a gig.
1: I would do. Mm-hmm. In
0: nineteen ninety one I mean, really,
1: if your name's Massimo. I'm following you, right? And also, like, he
0: was already in college, and he's like, oh, maybe I'll be a club singer. Like, I, I don't know how so serious he's just taking his schoolwork. Yeah. I don't know what he's studying, though. Uh, he, maybe he's getting his, you know, degree in club singing. Who knows? <laughs> but Massimo is going to give him the education of a lifetime. Mm. Uh, in 1993, after uh, Jeffrey had been there for a little time, Massimo tells Jeffrey about a demo they've been working on. Which he thinks would be good for Jeffrey's vocals. It was a cover of this song. You know the song? I do know the song. Patti Smith. Great song. Her 1988 song, People Have the Power. It's the lead single from Patti Smith's album, the Dream of Life. That's one of her best of the songs. Protest, I forgot about this song. It's become a protest anthem over the years. It's been covered by all kinds of artists, such as you too. So they are doing a cover of this song, and uh, they all think it's pretty good. And they end up recording Jeffrey's vocals on the demo. Ooh, do we have that? We don't have the demo, <laughs> but we've got we've got the final mix, Ooh. which the demo vocals ended up just being the vocals on the mix. So
1: oh, love that. Yeah, same time, you know.
0: So here it is. Here's the Bliss team's cover of "People Have the Power." Patty song.
1: Listing. This team. the uh... Oh wow, it's Jeffrey J J E Y. Yeah, yeah it is. Oh my gosh. that makes it worse. Have the, power. Have the power. It's a club. Oh yeah. Can nice I build to it? It's
0: classic early
1: '90s Euro house. I'm feeling it. Very disco. There it is, go. He does have like a George Michael vibe here more than I would have ever pick up on in Blue. Yeah, he really does. Uh, well, we'll talk about sounds- his vocals in Blue. I would not be surprised if, this was, if you told me this was George Michael. Yeah, okay, like
0: yeah. Wow. While we're talking about house music, I do I do want to uh, mention to everybody. Uh, our most recent guest, Palmer. Uh, told us to listen to an episode of NPR Throughline about house music that is phenomenal. Um, and I actually think it'd be a really good thing to listen to. Um, if you want to take a break, listen to that. Come back to this. Uh, gives a really good history on house music and its roots and how it did end up coming from essentially the Midwest, uh, from black and queer musicians, and then going to Europe, coming back here. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Right now we're in the really time loud. where it's in Europe and about to come back to the U.S. <laughs> through through Europe. Uh, but yeah, definitely a great episode. It's called Dance Yourself Free. Recommend everybody checks it out. You know, if you're into music podcasts, which I'm
1: guessing you are. Otherwise, it's, no, it's, it's really weird that you're fan, listening to this. Fantastic episode. Good podcast all around, too. Yeah, totally agree. Not always about music. But yeah, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Back to Bliss Blisteam. Uh, Blisteam. So they created the name uh, Team for specifically for the song. That's their, it's their oh. band name for the song. And it ended up being uh co's first uh first Smash hit. Oh wow. It, it was um and they want to name it Bliss Team because there's so many people involved uh from the company in this song. Uh it really felt like a collective collective cause. Yeah. Um so after its release it became a huge hit in Italy, reaching number seven on the pop charts. And being played in clubs across the nation and became a cult classic throughout Europe uh being heard in clubs in many nations in Europe well wow. uh they continued to make regional hits throughout the next several years in 1997 they decided to disband because they wanted to work on different projects at Blisco each member was then encouraged to pursue new musical projects at the company
1: <laughs> such a weird like cultesque type of situation here. I
0: know. It so like watching the documentary, it almost feels like they're in like an incubator right. for music. Or like a um not like a WeWork, work, <laughs> but like they have all these little recording studios and like common area. Oh really? And they're all just working on their own shit. It would
1: absolutely be a reality TV show or T V competition nowadays. Yeah, or
0: like a mockumentary or something.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, it's like an incubator for music. Essentially A music house i guess you call it a music house too like those studios where they're just making like commercial music uh there's a lot of people working on it but this was one for edm like for you know house and techno and dj music essentially wow that's what they're trying to do so fast forward a little bit one day at blisco everyone's working on their music separately and uh as they mentioned the vice documentary the studios weren't soundproof (laughs) And Gabri Ponte, who I mentioned, overheard his coworker Mari playing an arpeggiated piano line, and it was the piano line that we all know from blue the uh And I gotta say, it is so satisfying hearing Italian guys say "arpeggio over and over. <laughs> it just sounds so pretty it's great we should,
1: we should overdub every time we say it we should overdub
0: <laughs> <an> Italian <way. laughs> that's exactly how it sounds it's amazing <laughs> um so Gabri runs into mari's uh studio and says this is beautiful this piano line is beautiful we have to make a song out of it so the two of them sit down quickly get to work on an arrangement based on this after they had enough of the music they needed vocals so they grab jeffrey They ask him to write some lyrics and sing them on the track. So Jeffrey writes three sets of lyrics. Okay. One of them he calls normal. Two he says is so-so. Three is freaked out. Freaked out lyrics. Okay. So Jeffrey asks uh, Gabri and Maori which ones they want to hear first. And of course they say, the freaked out ones. Yeah. Let's hear the freaked out ones. And the freaked out ones are the blue lyrics that we know and love. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I don't know what was in the normal ones or the so-so ones. Uh, we don't know. They, they never get it. I don't think they ever heard of them because they they're like freaked out lyrics. Let's go. <laughs> oh,
1: I, I so wonder. Because From what I, I can gather, if... they they never heard the other lyrics. I mean, would the song be what it is without the lyrics? Are, are I don't that that like consequential
0: necessarily? I mean, they're weird. They're weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if they have it. I'm blue in them. I know nothing about these normal or so-so lyrics. Uh, so he does a first take singing the freaked out lyrics. And that first take was what's on the track. They keep oh, doing I'm, this. They I'm just about cut about it joke, put wow, it on. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> so uh, the way that Jeffrey uh, explains this is, sorry, the way that Jeffrey explains the lyrics of the song Cause if you listen to it, I don't, it'd be pretty hard to, I think, really figure out what he's talking about. Um, he says a lot of people say they're like, Oh, you're blue, you're sad. And he said, That's not really what I mean. Yes, there's a little bit of sadness and loneliness to the song, but I'm blue doesn't mean I'm sad. Really, it's a song about how people see the world through a specific filter. Mm-hmm. And that filter is unique to each person. So, it's your perspective of the world. The color of your lenses, so to speak. Wow. So, this person in the song, that blue is their filter. That's how they see everything. Hmm. So, I don't think you could ever derive that from listening to this song. <laughs> but it is a little deeper than than what I thought it might be.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't no. know that I ever really... Thought, I guess I, I definitely thought about the lyrics. You but- thought about...
0: He's got a blue Corvette and everything is blue for him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but wait, what, what, what color would he die from if I was green?
0: That's not actually in the song. Oh, really? No, it's not.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, that's... All right, we'll get there, I guess. We'll get there.
1: So when Massimo
0: heard the song, he loved it. But he said there needed to be something to make it positively anthemic. Something anyone in any language could latch onto. So that's how they came up with the "Daba di Daba Die.
1: Yeah okay, that that makes it international <laughs> hit.
0: <laughs> he said that there has to be something for people to just rally around if they can't understand the lyrics. They can at least sing that part.
1: I Massimo, guess. he's a genius. Well,
0: I mean, all right, sure. <laughs> so Rick Rubin of Italy.
1: <laughs> well, that might be true. Uh, <laughs> I've spent many concerts screaming out the words to Sigaros and having. Zero idea what I'm saying. Like I don't necessarily know that you need to understand the lyrics to feel the emotion of a song like Blue <laughs> or Untitled Number Two.
0: Dude. Maybe he thought it was just too freaked out. So need to bring it down a notch.
1: Were there see, I have so many questions now. Were there lyrics in place of the Dabadoo Dada D? I don't With,
0: know. Otherwise it's song sure that wouldn't really flow. I'm not sure. Uh I from what I gather, I don't think so. I think it was I'm Blue, and then the beat, because the the piano is also a hook. Like it's one of those songs where oh yeah, definitely. There's plenty of EDM pop songs now where the hook is just like a synth part, yeah, piano yeah, part. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see how that would have been the case. Um, I didn't find any like super early versions of Blue. I don't think they were released
1: until after the D was in it. Honestly, like when I think about the song, not having heard it in a while, but it is really like. I'm blue, and the rest of it, everything else is very like, yeah, meshed together as well. Like I know there are lyrics, and I remember some of them, or clearly I misremember some of them. Mm. But you, you you do just kind of fill it in. It's like, yeah, he really could have just mumble the rest of it, and Definitely. the the hook is on blue, and then the great song behind it, right? Yeah,
0: uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, and and maybe that was the point. Like you can put anything in here; it be it'll be great. Like it'll be a hit. It's that catchy,
1: true. Sure.
0: Um, so you mentioned that uh, you couldn't really hear how Jeffrey's lyrics or Jeffrey's vocals in the other song sound like this one, right? There's a reason for that. So uh, around the same time they're making this song, like right when they made this song, uh, Cher had her big comeback hit. Oh, believe. Yeah. Do you believe Have to live? Exactly. Uh, which famously used overtly auto-tuned vocals yeah. as the main element of the song it was the first hit song to do that really yeah oh wow uh and the blisco boys were enamored of the sound could see that. and they wanted to use it on blue
1: they seem like big Cher fans
0: yeah i mean george michael share <laughs> yeah. you know uh but i mean to preface this like auto-tune was used prior to that but it was used to fine-tune things it wasn't used you weren't supposed to notice it but that share song was the first time that producers did
1: that this time
0: this is nine nineteen ninety
1: eight. 1998 okay yeah yeah Yeah. this is pre-t-pain all that
0: oh yeah definitely t-pain was the one that took it to the next level where anybody could use it like he he helped create the the kind of user-friendly software to do that yeah um so they loved this, and they wanted they wanted to use this effect on blue. So they spent a ton of time trying to figure out how to do this, but they didn't really have the equipment or the chops to recreate it specifically. So AutoTune wasn't readily available at the time. Oh, interesting! Uh, it was it was very expensive, um, and there's also how a, was it done? There's also do a, a, uh, I mean, it was it was a it was a software, Um oh, okay. but it was really hard to use. There's a huge learning curve, like. trying to use it properly. Uh, Now I can hit it right now in GarageBand. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. So they tried and tried to achieve the closest thing because they couldn't actually auto-tune. So they were using vocoders, trying some other things. And eventually, they got to what we hear in blue, using a harmonizer on a MIDI keyboard, which, it allows you to sing something, record it, and then play those vocals on the keyboard itself. So they had him sing all the words, and then they played each word on the keys. So that's, oh, how, that's wow. why it sounds like it's like kind of pitch-corrected, essentially.
1: Oh, that's cool. So you
0: kind of get that digitized staccato-sounding vocal that he has in it.
1: Oh, wow. uh, yeah,
0: So the original version they produced uh, only had a verse and a chorus, and the rest of it was just like dance, like synth and drums. The original also had tons of synthesizers and drums, and I think it had about 15 layers of instruments on it. Uh, it sounded more like a traditional like Eurohouse song. Sure. So uh then as Gabri put it in the in the Vice video, um he was listening to it and he thought about it more and more and he was like, We should strip this down. Like there's too much going on. The piano and the vocals are so catchy, we're just like drowning it with stuff. So he spent two days rearranging the song and he just stripped it down to piano, drums, bass, and a little bit of synth.
1: Um So he is the Rick Rubin of Italy.
0: Well, this was Gabri. different guy. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. this was Gabri, who's the the DJ producer in the
1: band. Yeah, but but right. If it wasn't from Osimo, it
0: wasn't right. Yeah,
1: exactly. They wouldn't
0: have gotten there themselves. I, what studio were they in? They were in Massimo's exactly. studio. That mix that he rearranged became known as the DJ Ponte Ice Pop mix. Oh, and that's the one. Oh, that the other know. ones already out. It wasn't out. They didn't they uh, hadn't put it out. But uh, this was a separate mix that ended up becoming the main song. But now they had all these different versions of the song. They had the glamour cut, the dub mix.
1: But just internally they're calling it this and then
0: And then they ended up calling it when they calling it that when they put it out.
1: Oh, just, you know, not the worst idea. Because I'm sure some club DJs were like, Oh, this song must be popular already. <laughs> it's
0: being remixed, yeah. Because it's already being
1: remixed, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, not a bad strategy.
0: Yeah. And I mean uh plenty of other songs the remix has been the thing that gets really popular Macarena yeah true uh, plenty of hip hop songs you know that were underground and then someone made a big remix and got popular um so that's the track that's the track they're going with as the the main the main attraction but they need a new band name this wasn't a bliss team track this is a whole well, new awesome. thing under the bliss umbrella <laughs> <laughs> It's reminded me of, like, uh, that thing you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, The Playtone family. The Playtone stable. Uh, so, they came up with a bunch of words that sounded cool and put them in a computer and had it randomize them to pick their band name.
1: Wow, well, the chat GPT'd <laughs> that <laughs> they shit. They kind
0: of chat GPT'd it. yeah. Wow! Uh, and the randomly selected word was Eiffel. They put Eiffel in there.
1: And so, cool. there they were.
0: New Euro house band called Eiffel. But. But. They sent the song to the pressing plant, they made 1,000 12-inch singles for playing in clubs, and when they got their copies, the discs read, I'm blue, parentheses, Daba D, DJ Ponty, Ice Pop Mix, by Eiffel 65. And they were like, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) So they called the plant, and it turned out that (laughs) Mari had written... The The liner notes, they're the label copy for the record. But right next to it on another piece of paper, he'd written a phone number down. Oh, no. And the 65 from the from the phone number ended up on, on the piece of paper on the label copy.
1: <laughs> I love and this. And the
0: graphic artists assumed that it was just part of their band name. So from now on, brilliant. they're Eiffel 65.
1: <laughs> yeah, hold up. One, that's great. Two... This is two weeks in a row where we've done a deep dive in the recording process of a strange new technology, and the band name was chosen, Napoleon and Eiffel, and then the numbers added that later. That's true. Oh.
0: Wild. The only connection I think you could make between these two songs.
1: Well, I don't know about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. <laughs> we'll find Let's more. See. Six degrees of Napoleon, 14th. <laughs> so yeah, their name is now Eiffel 65. That's Which amazing. sounds way cooler than just Eiffel. Yeah, definitely. And also, every cool band in the late nineties had a number in their name. That was kind of hot at the time.
1: Uh, Some forty-one, Blink One Eighty-two. What else we got?
0: Uh, SR seventy-five, SR seventy-one, SR seventy-one. Uh, there's definitely more. Yeah, Eve six, Eve six. <laughs> Great follower on Twitter. They're like all pop punk bands. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then Eiffel sixty-five.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I know there's more. <laughs> Uh, so they had this They had this mix, they had this, this song and they're ready to debut it at a club in Turin it's time so they play it for a huge just like pulsing club people dancing, sweating and it's a disaster <laughs> <There's> no response <laughs> to the song whatsoever and it virtually clears the dance floor <laughs> oh. and out of those thousand singles they had only sold 200 of them DJs just uh, weren't biting. Radio didn't care. So they moved on from the song entirely. Blue was dead on arrival. Wow. Also keep in mind, they're not really a band. <laughs> right. It's like not a real band. Uh, they're just like a production team trying to make hits.
1: Uh, and they just thought yeah, this I piano was part was pretty. How, like, did they talk about how like impactful that was? Because I, I kind of feel like they'd be like, all right, on the next one, like. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, they they didn't think it. They weren't like devastated. They
1: were like, that's probably what we do every week.
0: Like. Yeah, they, they, it's, it seems like a blip. Uh, so they all started working on separate stuff at work because that's what they do at work. They just go and work on songs. Wow. It's like 10 an alley, but for EDM. <laughs> right. <laughs> so a couple months later, Jeffrey gets a call from another DJ friend in Italy who says, Hey, what's up with that song, Blue? And he's like, what do you you mean with some of that song blue? He's like, I've been playing in my DJ sets for a while. And now that I've been playing it, everyone goes crazy, especially when the chorus hits. Everybody's singing it. They love it. How funny. Yeah. So his friend says, you got to reconsider this song. It's great. So that same friend had also given the single to somebody at Italy's top, one of Italy's top radio stations, Radio DJ, because he believed in it so much. So around the same time, Gabri gets a call. From a friend, and they're like, We just heard your song on Radio DJ. He's like, Which one? Oh my god. Like, Blue. (laughs) And the day they told him this was April 1st. So Uh Gabriel thought it was a joke, and he thought they were just fucking with him (laughs) and making fun (laughs) of the song. But it turned out Radio DJ was indeed playing blue. So once that happened, it grew like wildfire around Italy. Once it played on Radio DJ everybody was playing it djs radio I mean, stations
1: it's catchy as fuck. it definitely is um uh, but i do think if i was in a club and i'm hearing songs that i know it maybe it's or just songs that, that were that just point.
0: like more like like pulsing right house right. and trance and then it just like breaks into this like i don't know i think it was a little bit different than what was going on there yeah um uh, so it's it spreads like wildfire Suddenly, the band's like getting offers to play it on TV and go on the radio. So they kind of have to figure out how to be a band and like perform live. Like Eiffel Sixty Five is is like a real band now. So
1: if it was just Eiffel, it could have uh, been one guy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we got the whole
0: crew Sixty-five members in this band. <laughs> <laughs> so the song starts to spread across Europe. It starts in France, after Italy, uh, and it's it's just it's going it's going crazy everywhere. It's being played in clubs, being played on the radio, uh, and soon it goes to the UK, which is kind of the last frontier before heading west. And this was all done totally independently by Blisco this whole time. Wow! And then eventually, it's licensed to Warner on the Eternal label in uh, in the UK, and then the US, it's on Universal's Republic label. Uh, but just license, just license for Blisco. Blisco still owns everything. And in fact, if you look up the song on Spotify now, the copyright just says Bliss Corporation. Oh, wow. It's Blisco, baby. They made a ton of money. Oh, yeah. This song. As we know, the song reached America. That's how we know it. But America was not the mainstream EDM market that we know today. Uh, Definitely not. You know, I th- we had like... Some of the, the Eurodance stuff had come over, and you have, like, your Technotronic and C&C Music Factory, like, they had their flu kits, you know, but it wasn't, like, huge. I mean, like, so much of the radio sounds like this now. There's an article in The Verge from 2013 by uh, Trent Wolby uh, that's about this song, and uh, he says, long before Dr. Luke and MTV turned electronic dance music into mainstream gold, Americans were only vaguely amused by a pulsing 4-4 beat. Vogue, Rhythm as a Dancer, Macarena, I'm Too Sexy may have charted well in the US, but house anthems hardly dominated. The Eurozone had been under the influence of dance culture for more than decades, so when Blue entered the top 40 in the UK, it wouldn't have been a huge shock. If it hadn't done so on the strength of import sales alone. It was only the third song in history to do so, with the compact discs all arriving from Eiffel 65's native Italy. So all the discs are coming from Blisco. Wow. Uh, which I have no idea how they kept up with demand. Like I, I was like,
1: Seriously. I was expecting
0: like a Sun record situation. Like, well, we have to go out of business because we're too popular. We can't keep <laughs> up with demand.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Um, and further to the point of dance music, having not found a place in the pop mainstream in the U S when the song did break, and Eiffel 65 toured here, no one knew how to book an actual band that played electronic dance music. So they kept putting them on alternative rock festivals, and it was like a disaster every time they played Oh play my ass. god.
1: <laughs> uh, I cannot imagine. T-
0: picturing them coming after, like, Jane's Addiction or something.
1: If you're anything like me, you love your coffee. And I have traveled the world trying to find the best coffee beans, and I have found them in Chicago, Illinois. If you're in Chicago, you already know this, but Dark Matter Coffee is where you should be drinking your coffee. If you're not in Chicago, well, you're in luck because you can buy those delicious beans from darkmattercoffee.com. And even more, you can get them shipped to your house for free using the promo code WANTEDAHITCAST. That's right, darkmattercoffee.com, use the promo code WANTEDAHITCAST and get yourself some beans shipped to your house for free.
0: As you likely know, as well as our listeners do, another huge piece of this song breaking outside of Italy, and especially in the U.S., is the absolutely absurd music video. I'm here for it. Uh, do you remember it? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a true relic of the 90s, I would say, despite its futuristic ambitions. <laughs> we watched a... Uh,
1: who was a frog? Crazy Frog. Crazy Frog. I feel like we watched a Crazy Frog video recently. That reminded me of that makes the sense. blue music video. <laughs>
0: Crazy Frog Now looks like <laughs> iPhone 65 in 1999. <laughs> yeah, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, this video in the US mainly got big on on-demand video channels, such as The Box. We've talked about The Box before. Uh, oh, yeah. And then MTV uh, started playing it in turn. Uh, and exactly. the video was influenced largely by Metal Gear Solid and other video games that they've been playing at the time. I mean, this was like the onset of popular 3D shooter and sci-fi games like N64, Playstation I guess um, so, yeah so, let's check out the video
1: yeah, now I'm going to watch it with that in mind although I never really played Metal Gear Solid, but so I going not pick up one now one guy looks like Lance Bass
0: the video was made by Blisco Media a computer no, graphics division of Blisco <laughs> Yeah. it's like those sci-fi movies where there's one company that does everything you know like a, a technocrat oh definitely uh, known at the time I, I remember the blue aliens but I forgot exactly oh, what they dude. looked like oh we're going to talk about the blue alien uh, um, so like a lot of videos they make at Blisco this was done in a green screen garage studio that was at, at, the, at the recording studio um, and the computer graphics were made in a program called 3ds Max They had very few resources, very few tutorials, few tutorials or books, and only one editing machine, and the video took almost a year. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, One of their employees uh, at Blisco Media, uh, Davide Lasala, he talked about coming up for the video, and, you know, on top of the video games, he was also talking about Blade Runner and Star Wars. I mean... Sure.
1: But they were... Definitely a lot of Star Wars references. Yeah,
0: it's just, like, there's all these, like, lofty inspiration and then the video its just <laughs> insane looking
1: <laughs> it's just so silly I forgot about this whole like, shooting port part here
0: oh yeah oh there's a bunch of action in it and so wait um, did they
1: start making this video when the song was popular in Europe yeah yeah because I feel mm-hmm. this came out in short order once the song got to America so the song right? was on a long journey it didn't
0: hit it's peak position in America until 2000 oh wow okay so there's quite a bit of time for it to get from Blisko to Italy, to France, to the rest of Europe, to UK, to the US, and keep
1: moving it's up. It's got very white teeth. <laughs> now the, the punching scene now. this video is yeah. so wild. I forgot about how
0: it's so wild crazy and, it is. so wild, and, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's just like typical CG at the time. It's like, you could make CG, but nobody really was able to make it look the way they wanted it to look, except for like Pixar. Right. Like, you know, it's kind of like, um, I was reading in the Verge article, like they were talking about how like in the eighties, a lot of synths and drums sound like shit. It's like, yeah, they wanted to synthesize it, but they didn't know like what the right. hell they were doing.
1: This is way more video game-esque than I, I mean, remember. A
0: lot of it looks like they're playing like laser tag. Yeah. I guess the, the, these goateed Italians, they, like uh, I, I guess they, they get abducted but they're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess they're flying through, through space and then they get stuck on this planet. Um, and then they're putting on a concert for all the aliens that like kind of want to kill them. But I think the aliens are like forcing them to put on the concert. It might be like a space jam kind of thing. I mean, I think that's what's going on here. (laughs)
1: So glad I watched that again. Uh,
0: but it kind of seems like they're having a good time, like putting on the
1: performance. So I think they're really enjoying themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're also, like, knocking them out, like, hitting them. No, yeah, no.
0: They, like, putting on the performance and then fighting them at the same time. So, uh, I don't know if it's, like, a timeline thing in it. Um, but, yeah, it's very primitive. It's
1: I know I know we're, we're going to talk about this later, but I, I just, I did it. I, I, I This video is from Bliss Corporation, and I clicked into other videos. The last video was up, uploaded 18 hours ago.
0: Are from they still Blitzko? going strong?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Eiffel 65 is still around. So well, Blitzko is still going strong. is still putting shit out. <laughs> and none of these bands are the same, which means that they're all probably the same. Uh, I, I actually,
0: I actually didn't look at the other things. I didn't have time to look at their, uh, the rest of the videos on their channel.
1: I'm doing a deep dive later. <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, this video was listed in Enemy's 50 worst music videos ever. <laughs> well,
1: what? I mean, in the context, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, talked about the blue alien, uh, the main blue alien in the video, his name is Zorotl or Zorotl, Zorotl, I I would suppose. Um, so there is actually an Eiffel 65 wiki. Oh, sure. All kinds of pages about, uh, members and people at Blisco.
1: (laughs) God, the internet's awesome.
0: It really sounds like this was made in like a sci-fi movie, like this company creating everything. Um. It's like uh what's the company in Terminator? Oh uh, yeah, I've been forever since I've seen that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um so there's a really long entry about Zerotl, the the, al- the main alien. Okay. And he's actually featured in three different Eiffel sixty five videos. So he's oh. got he's got kind of a universe. Uh his full name is Zerotlikau Sushik the Fourth.
1: Yeah, so keeping with the theme of the band.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Uh <laughs> numbers. He was born in 45651.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: AD on, on the planet Tucan <laughs> 4, constellation mm-hmm. HR HR 453. Mhm. Uh, from a family of scientists and explorers. Okay. <laughs> uh it goes on about his parents for a long time and then it says uh he started traveling the universe in a peaceful way but ended up uh seeing that people live in mostly violent environments fighting against other races sometimes each other um it says that he couldn't communicate with people and then he gets introduced to music and through music it's introduced to humans and then he gets introduced to earth and then he comes to earth and learns music and then it's so long i didn't read the whole thing i couldn't i skimmed it seems like he learns music and then fights evil with music that's just kind of his story.
1: Um, Is this like a blueprint for our eventual alien invasion? Uh, well, I'm thinking like, if aliens come here, rather than blow them up like we did in Independence Day, we introduce them to music and save the world.
0: Or we introduce them to the shittiest music possible and drive insane. The
1: mm. so, Hoobastack.
0: stack. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hoobastank and Luke Bryan, enjoy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I didn't read the whole thing, but as I was reading it, I was thinking, is this like real canon? Or is this fan fiction about, about the blue alien him. from the Eiffel 65 video? Because if that's true, that is so weird.
1: I would not <laughs> be surprised. so
0: hilarious. Do we know? <laughs> I don't know. It's just on their wiki. That's all the information about
1: Zerodal that I read. That's amazing. Uh,
0: so blue. Dabba Icy Remix, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Where do you think it charted in the US? Peak position.
1: I mean, it was big. I remember it being pretty dominant, but I also remember being pretty dominant. We would have been, what, middle school or whatever at this point. Like, songs like this could have easily just been, like, in our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go... I'm gonna go 14.
0: Uh... Even higher at number six. Six Six on the Hot 100. Blue had a long road. It was January 29th, 2000. Wow. They originally put out the song in
1: 1998.
0: Oh, wow. I'm very Uh, intrigued
1: to know what else was popping.
0: Oh, I can tell you. Number one, I knew I loved you, Savage Garden. Oh, wow. I mean, iconic. Number two, What a Girl Wants, Christina Aguilera. Three, I would think of future episode Santana mm-hmm. featuring Rob Thomas, Smooth. Oh yeah, uh, Brian McKnight back at one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bring it all to me by Black. I don't know if I remember that song.
1: It's like an R and B thing, featuring in sync. Oh, I oh absolutely, I remember the song. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Number seven: Missy Elliott, Nas, Eve, and Q Tip, Hot Boys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh That's the Way It Is by Celine Dion. Wow. I Need to Know, Mark Anthony, which I think was his first big hit in English here.
1: Yeah, I see that.
0: And then My Love is Your Love by Whitney Houston. Oof. Great song.
1: Heavy nineties mm-hmm. hitters right there. Oh, big time.
0: Big time. I mean, yeah, the only one that's like a one hit wonder one I don't know much about is Black.
1: And they utilize one mm-hmm. of the biggest bands of all time somehow.
0: <laughs> right. Everything else is like, yeah, certified. Certified, huge. And then number six, Blue Daba D, Eiffel 65.
1: Random. They don't even have a photo.
0: It's just a photo of the
1: record. Oh, wow. Like the vinyl. I mean, (laughs) they easily could have done like a, I don't know, like a gorillas thing and not even had them.
0: Yeah, just had the Alien. This song was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Dance Recording. That checks out. It didn't win. What did? Baja men who have the dogs out? Huh. Yeah. I don't know why it's dance recording, but yeah, I feel like it should have been in the hip hop category.
1: But another podcast recommendation: a song we will never do for that reason.
0: Oh God, that episode 90, is ninety nine percent invisible. Oh no way we're ever going to do that song set the
1: bar far too high i
0: mean they did they did all the the legwork they yeah. like went around the world like interviewing people trying to figure out where that song came from
1: great story yeah, if we if we sell a little more merch maybe we'll start doing uh <laughs> travel journalism here buy it people
0: um there are a couple covers of this song sorry i, I should say there are a lot of covers of this song they're uh remixes and samples and stuff sure but a couple covers we could talk about. Um, one is by the metal band Flesh God Apocalypse. Man, sent that. always
1: a metal version. <laughs> okay,
0: we're going to have like a segment of the, the, the metal. The Metal Minute. Metal Minute. It's time for the Metal Minute.
1: Oh, God. I mean, heavy double bass.
0: Yeah, around, like, 40 seconds. 30 seconds, it really kicks in. It's so ridiculous. Wow. This I love is, it. like, this is a lot. Oh, it's very heavy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know, like, what. Oh, this band's Italian. Oh, all right. Uh, the genre is technical death metal.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a lot. They're Italian. All right, they're paying homage. All right, no, it's enough. I can only take. Love it. Only take so much of that.
0: <laughs> on the opposite, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we got a kids corner.
1: I knew we did. Of course, kids bop. Yeah, that's the legit kids bop, right? I think like it's like it OG
0: kids bop. Like, might have been on the first one. Yeah, really,
1: might have been. Yeah, it is. It's the original album. There you go. It's kids singing blue. <laughs> it sounds creepy and weird, as yeah. they tend to do. But you're right. I always, I guess, in my head, I the the thought. I always thought that part of that said, if I was green, I would die. But I totally made that up in my head, didn't I? Am uh, I the only one? You
0: are not the only
1: one. Uh, uh,
0: I'll go ahead and say it. In the documentary, uh one of the members says, everybody was trying to like interpret it. They were like, oh, there's no way they're just saying da ba dee da die. And they don't know where it started, but they heard from multiple people, if I was green, I would die. And it's funny because they kind of uh, laugh it off like, oh, that's dumb. Why would we say that? It's like, well, what's the rest of these lyrics? Yeah. Nah. Uh, I remember in school, a lot of, kids would say, or some kids would say it was saying, I'm in need of a guy. Oh. Which gives it a whole other meaning, a yeah. whole other layer. Also not true.
1: That's like you know, romantic teenagers love, love sick teenagers. Yeah.
0: They also said when they would go to Germany uh, I guess blue is is slang for drunk there. If you're blue, yeah. you're drunk. Uh, it's kind of funny, but they're like, it's not that either. So huh. um. And then in 2020, Flume, the uh, very popular DJ, did a remix that was quite popular uh, of this song. That's no, no oh, it's just remix. Yeah. It's... Oh, yeah. I, I think i heard it before. A about a little guy that lives in the and The next sample I want to talk about of this song Is the one that actually prompted me to do it And every time I've heard this recently I've thought, we have to talk about that song Because there is a cultural moment happening It's been happening for months around this song And I didn't want it to get too old Before before we do the episode So I heard it again the other
1: day in a cab And I was like, alright, here we go Gotta do it. The fact that I don't think I know this cultural moment makes me feel very old and <laughs> out of touch. It's, it's
0: all over the place. I hear it. I don't even really listen to pop radio, and I've heard it sometimes. Good, yeah,
1: have you heard this before? Right,
0: baby, oh, I have heard this. Yeah. Life, Weird. I don't. mean, it's like huge <laughs> to the point where like you hear it in stores and stuff. Like yeah. yeah. It's huge. So this is a uh, French DJ and... Mash hit maker David Guetta, an American pop singer D.B. REXA, "I'm Good," which is—is
1: this—is this David Guetta in the video? Uh I think so. Like, really, Jack? Yeah, sixty-year-old man. That's him. He looks so old, but still like amazing. He, look, he, he looks like
0: an old footballer, like a retired footballer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Uh, so yeah, this is This is, oh, it's I'm Good, parentheses, Blue Uh, and it is currently on the Billboard charts And it is, I mean, it really samples the shit out of
1: this song Uh, and It's it's almost like it's a complete remix
0: Yeah, kind of It's just with different lyrics Um, yeah So yeah, I wanted to talk about this before This song is like, you know, kind of behind us um, but we kind of have a little bit of like a, an episode within an episode here because hmm. the story of this is pretty convoluted as well.
1: Oh, okay. Let's go.
0: Um, there's a great variety article about it. It's called David Guetta and BB Rexa on finally releasing. I'm good. The shelved banger that refused to die. Oh. It's by Mike Wass. Uh, it's, it's, uh, came out October. I got the story from, from this um this was never officially released whenever it got popular so david Guetta was working on a flip of blue the evil 65 song and this says that it had been gathering dust on his hard drive since 2007 oh wow and so basically uh he was living in london BB was in town, and they they had been collaborating. They have a, a number of hits together. Um, they went to the studio, and he was playing with the chords and piano melody of Blue, and they both describe it as a little blurry or a little foggy. So I don't know if they're partying, just playing Eiffel 65 <laughs> songs in the studio. Oh,
1: we've all been yeah, there. You know.
0: They made this little version of it, and then uh, David Guetta thought that it would make a good addition to his DJ sets, so he played it at Ultra Music Festival. And that was the first and last time that he played it until huh. it's resurgence later on. So, um, they had a couple hits in between. Uh, that was 20, that was 2018. Um, and then a bootleg started to become popular on YouTube. And then in 2022, last year, uh, BB Rexa says that she was on TikTok and she heard a girl singing on a remix of I was 65 blue. She's like, damn, David Guetta and I had an idea for that. So she sent it to her oh, social media wow. manager, and her social media manager was like, that's your song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she said she went to YouTube and the leaked version had 30 million views.
1: Oh shit. Yeah.
0: She said that uh, then her social media manager looked into it, and apparently it kept popping up on YouTube and getting taken down. Wow. Uh So then she texted David Guetta. And she's like, we need to put this out. It's exploded. And he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How'd they get this? Uh, and it turns Holy out that shit. the snippet of, it was the snippet from his set at Ultra, the only time he played it.
1: No shit. Yeah.
0: And it had been used in more than 130,000 videos on TikTok, and it had over 500 million views.
1: Dude, the power of TikTok. I know.
0: So he said they rushed wow. into the studio and finished the song. <laughs> uh that's crazy yeah and uh so she added some harmonies and he added some more instrumentation they put it out officially and it has topped the charts in more than a dozen countries including the uk australia and canada and it uh peaked at number four on the us hot 100 and number one on the top 40 chart uh and i like this bit about they asked them why they think it's connecting and bb says People love nostalgia, and the 2000s are back in full force, which is funny because that song got big in the 2000s or like reached its peak January 2000. Here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she said it's just a happy, feel-good song. And then David Guetta says sometimes when you manage to express a simple emotion, people really relate to it. And he said uh, revisiting blue seems like a really easy win. Doing something simple doesn't feel cheat that doesn't feel cheesy is very difficult. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. This time it worked better than we could have ever imagined,
1: I mean that's true, and in a great a
0: great uh moment, I would say at the sixty fifth annual Grammy Awards, this was nominated in the same category as the original blue best dance recording oh shit, yep Did it went it lost
1: <laughs> uh, who? let's see the remix of Who Let the Dogs out by. I don't know. Insert DJ name.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, Beyonce. Bring oh, well, mm. Yeah. <laughs> if Beyonce lost to an Eiffel 65 sample. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I'd say so. um,
0: I found this article on the site Christ and pop culture. That's right. Okay. And, and I was like, but it kept coming up as like a top hit. And I thought, all right, I'll click it. And it kind of turned into a more thoughtful and in depth, uh article about the philosophy of the song than I
1: expected. Of I'm Good or I'm Blue.
0: Oh, uh, of sorry, of the Eiffel Sixty Five song
1: of of okay. the original.
0: We're getting back to that. Alright, we're done we're done okay. with David okay. Okay.
1: Getting
0: back to Eiffel Sixty Five. It basically talks about how the album that this is on is like an ex- exploration of technological advances in the late nineties. Uh the album's called Europop. Um but I like what they say about the the time it's like the internet's on the rise amazon had just begun expanding beyond books the y2k bug is looming the time when technology was just beginning to make things different and blue comes out it's got these computerized riffs it sounds different from all the other major hits in 99 and while edm is ubiquitous nowadays like it was kind of an oddity back then it wasn't saturated yeah. by computers so it's like the video also has this cg element to it is just kind of the perfect timing like people were like internet crazy and the song kind hmm. of made sense for that time and i i like that i thought that was <laughs> it makes sense and i hadn't really seen that point made in other places but i did on christ and pop culture but like this thing is like a long dissertation on eiffel 65
1: <laughs> i mean that's, it's an interesting point especially the y2k piece because i like that it it was such a weird time. I was so young that I didn't really fully grasp the negative, yeah. the negative side of right. it or like what the consequence could be. But you're right. Mm-hmm. It was a time when it was like, it almost felt like the world was ending because the internet was taking over in a way or something uh, that we had gotten too far ahead of ourselves. And yeah, uh, which is funny to say looking back, but I could maybe see us being like, right. Just more whatever about pop culture and music at the time. Yeah, you know, it might be a stretch, but
0: no, I don't. I don't think it's a stretch. Um, this song does kind of like this song just makes me think dial up, <laughs> dial up internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like the uh, the sound of your dial up.
0: It kind of does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the song has been in a number of uh, films and TV shows. Uh, it's in an episode of Daria. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's in the Jason Biggs film Loser, which was pretty big at the time. Uh, it's in. The, the Jackass documentary, CKY2K.
1: Yeah, it's pre Jackass. That is well it's pre and crew Jackass. Doing their own thing, but you can't kill yourself. It was, yeah, it
0: was. It was in the pre Jackass esque. It was in the pre Jackass CKY2K. That really started put the whole Jackass thing. And the crew
1: on the map, which got their the attention of Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, that's really, where it all kind of started from.
0: Back to Johnny Knoxville, Weezer's best yeah. buddy. Yeah. 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 So it's in CKY2K, which I watched numerous times at the skate shop. Yeah, fuck yeah. I don't really remember this song being in it, either. but it's in it. Um and uh probably most famously, it is the basis for the throwback scene that opens Iron Man Three. Oh uh, yeah. Which actually resulted in a reemergence in the UK charts. Oh wow. It got pretty high because of that movie.
1: I all I can think about is how much money Massimo is making. <laughs> Because I assume <laughs> that Massimo owns a lot of this song. I mean, I'm not sure the writing credits are just
0: uh, just the guys in the band. Okay, um, actually, except for uh, Gabri doesn't have a writing credit because he he just did arrangement and production. He didn't actually write any of the song. Oh, interesting. When the song came out, it had uh, very mixed reviews from critics. Uh, Billboard said uh, that. It was creative. It'll affect listeners on both sides of the demographic spectrum and it's anthemic. Just what Massimo wanted with his Dabad's. Yeah. Uh Entertainment Weekly said it's a fleeting but feel good foot tapper. You know, B minus.
1: Yeah, what the fuck do they know?
0: Still here. Uh Daily Record said strangest sounding Euro Club hit of the summer. Um Pop Matters said uh his initial re- the Pop Matters. Review said that the initial reaction was really, really bad, and then later stated after many repeated listenings that they loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All Music called it hypnotic. Rolling Stone gave the song a negative review. They said it blends share esque vocoder vocals, trance-like synth riffs, unabashed Eurodisco beats, and a baby babble chorus so infantile, it makes the Teletubbies sound like Shakespeare.
1: I mean, great review. They're not wrong. However, <laughs> fuck off. Let, let us have our fun. It
0: also looks like Teletubbies in the video. does not so, it?
1: yeah.
0: Uh, uh, that sounds like an early Pitchfork review to me, the, the way they <laughs> way they put that. Very cool. Um, and Rolling Stone put it at the 20 most, put it in the list of the 20 most annoying songs at number 14. Oh, I'd love to know what the rest of that list is. Uh, you should check it out. Um, absolutely. That all of the time, like those reviews were like, yeah, we're hearing it for the first time. I feel like now we still think it's a really silly song. Like, I look back on it as a silly song, but now that I look at it through the lens of the technological revolution of the time and the way that EDM has now really infiltrated pop music, have really taken over, I mean, EDM and hip-hop, essentially, yeah. I kind of look back on it as a little more of an important time, like an important song oh, in time. Absolutely, it, It's... It, I never would have considered that before researching this episode. Like, I really feel like it, I think it was a little more monumental than we give it credit for. I would agree. Because a lot of the other house music was pretty, pretty straight ahead or it was pretty experimental and it found its niches there. And then this just shows up and it's like, it gets to number six on the billboard charts and is the most, Probably the closest thing to current pop EDM that we had gotten at that point.
1: Yeah, because I mean, even I'm trying to think of what other songs was Fatboy Slim before this?
0: It's around that time. But Fatboy Slim is way more nuanced. Right, right. They're not uh, heavy
1: EDM at all, but like
0: sample heavy. Um, As far as like the Euro House party culture EDM music, I feel like this was like the f- this is really the first hit that sounded like that,
1: yeah, like first hit song without this would the u s have adopted Swedish health mafia or I don't U-T- know, maybe or, not,
0: maybe not yeah, even the stuff that was like on jock Jams or like the euro house then or like a lot of the black house music that had gotten popular. It's way more disco oriented, it's not as electronic, there aren't the big synthesizers, yeah, yeah.
1: It's more american it, quote unquote,
0: yeah, definitely, yeah, for sure, um. So I, I don't know, I feel like it's got a really a really interesting place in pop history that I would have never considered
1: before reading so much about the song. I agree. I always kind of deep down inside. I think I've never probably said it out loud, but I always felt like the song was pretty monumental and pretty game changing and the way are like, you looking back on it all uh I did always kind of feel that way I think consciously,
0: yeah. I mean, it's still silly as hell. It's a pretty dumb song. Yeah, very dumb song. But, but uh, and but when I I see what why people find it annoying. Well,
1: thirteen years old, it was definitely the first time I'd ever heard anything remotely like this. And I think yeah. even then, I realized that it was very European. And so mm-hmm. it was like, for sure, it was like almost uh, I'm I'm discovering a different world again. That infantile mm-hmm. brain, like I'm discovering something that that you know is very cool somewhere else that I don't know of yet. Like a, a distant On land. video,
0: as primitive as it is, looks like a different world entirely. Well, I think at the and time. It kind of has that air of like that. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It looks European.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think at the time, that video would have felt really futuristic because For even sure. to your point, like, okay, Pixar is doing better CGI, but Pixar mm-hmm. stuff was always juvenile in its mm-hmm. design, toys and such. Uh, whereas, like, does feel more adult more video game ass
0: has anybody set uh, has anybody like done a mashup of the blue video and avatar
1: I, I feel like I'm sure I feel
0: like there's some there's some there's a cross section there. sure
1: there's a lot of that <laughs> you be,
0: right? uh, so after blue uh, the band released uh, another song from the album Europop move your body which was actually a pretty substantial hit Ooh. Uh, I, I knew this song. I remember this song. Wait, do have it? Let's see if you do. Uh, it hit number one in a number of countries and top ten and even more. And it did enter the the US top forty. So they are not the one they wanted
1: to video. Identical. Oh,
0: the videos. Well, so this is in the same series. This has the, uh, the blue alien I don't I remember that. I mean, the chorus is move your body. Come on now, everybody. It's,
1: you know. It feels vaguely familiar, but also it sounds vaguely like blue, just not as good. Oh, it's wasps, something like that.
0: Yeah, it does sound like blue, but not as good. But uh, Zoradl's on stage, he's dancing. This is in the Zoradl universe the cinematic universe this guy must be weird, right? <laughs> I mean this video I think was just made by the other folks at the company they're like yeah we're gonna make you a crazy video I remember that song I remember it coming on TV yeah
1: well, well, now that I do
0: um, so they put that out and it was a pretty decent hit uh, not nearly as big as blue but in France and probably some other countries but I know France for sure it was the song that knocked out Mambo number no. 5 from the number 1 spot. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. uh, it enabled the band at least in France to get I think it was the first the first foreign band in France to have two number one singles in a row. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um they made two more albums, Contact and then a self-titled album. They did not gain international success, but they are still huge in Italy. Uh, they also started remixing some other songs. Uh, between 99 and 2002, they made a number of them. One of them was the Bloodhound Gang's Bad Touch. I don't remember if we played this uh, on that episode. We may have. So do it like it's exactly do what you would imagine an 65 remixing Bloodhound Gang you to sound like. Baby ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the
1: Discovery Channel.
0: So, iPhone sixty five remix of Bloodhound Gang is like the quintessential like nineteen ninety nine year two thousand phrase. I kind of love this. Yeah, it's not bad. iPhone sixty five recorded one goal, which was the official song of the UEFA Euro Cup in two thousand. Uh, They also recorded Living in My City, which was an official song for 2006 Winter Olympics, which I believe was in Italy. Jesus.
1: Right? They're at the taco over here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eiffel 65 is one of Italy's most popular groups. Uh, In 2005, Gabri, our boy, Ponte, Icy Ponte, he started to focus on his solo (laughs) career. So he was off DJing, producing other songs and the other two guys they continued to tour but because uh they weren't as involved with Blisco anymore. Blisco owns the name Eiffel 65. Oh, so man. they went by they went by Bloom 06. What? Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> uh and then in 2010 the original group group reunited. Uh, and Ponte was back in, uh, and they were Eiffel 65 again. Uh, <laughs> Gabri continued his own DJ career uh, after that. And Mari and Jeff went back to touring just the two of them, sometimes with a hired gun in his place. Uh, Blue Mo 6 or Eiffel 65? I guess when, I think when Gabri's not in it, they are Blue Mo 6. And then when Gabri's in it, it's Eiffel 65.
1: Sure pretty sure
0: pretty sure is how that works didn't
1: Massimo make enough money here give him the name <laughs> come on
0: uh but then in 2012 gabry released his single beat on my drum featuring pitbull oh yeah
1: this is the, uh, the Pitbull playbook. Like you know
0: this song uh, peaked at number 11 on the U.S. Like hot Dance Club song. Do, so it what did pretty well. Uh, in the same Just year, he make. entered the top 100 this DJs man. on his list on so DJ so, Mag. So, 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 uh, he also represented Austria. I'm not sure why. In the Eurovision Song Contest 2022 as a co-writer and producer of the song Halo. Uh, he also has since worked with Allo Bloch. Interestingly enough. Interesting. Uh they do still argue about who made what in the song. I think the writing credits are actually a little bit of a sore subject. Because uh, yeah, Gabriel Somebody like made a he, fuck ton of money off of this. Well Gabri also feels like I think he feels like he arranged it into what it is that made it famous. Right. But the other guys wrote it. What? Uh and you can hear that in the documentary. Like he
1: Massimo has no writing credit, right? I don't think so. Did he come up with the
0: but he probably publishing? No, he told them do they something. needed okay. something like okay. that. And that's how they came up with that. Uh Jeff says the song still gets a huge response from people of all ages, including kids who weren't even born. Uh when it came out.
1: Well, I mean, and, yeah, because it's on TikTok now.
0: Yeah, and it's a yeah, it's a huge hit now. Uh although that's from the documentary and that mm. was before that. Uh uh Jeffrey does say that he is extremely lucky and barely anyone ever has a song that's successful in their career it's not just a matter of talent it's a matter of luck what could be better than doing your passion for a living yeah he's right i like that i yeah. like he's not he's he hasn't drank the Kool-Aid he's not like i was destined he's like oh we got pretty lucky
1: i mean definitely got lucky
0: i will end with this quotation from that article in the verge It says, like a strangely comforting stew of disparate leftovers simmering in a crock pot, there isn't a single component of the blue story that's terribly appetizing on its own. When it's all boiled down to a YouTube video and Wikipedia entry 14 years after its production, a little bit of magic leaks out. It's not a flux capacitor, but Eiffel 65's Blue Daba constitutes a transformative elixir that could bring even a billionaire philanthropist playboy like Tony Stark back in time. And we'd all believe the unfathomable scene on the silver screen before us was true. They also said earlier in that article that this kind of became the music of our vision of rave culture.
1: <laughs> That's a good a, point.
0: A super pre nine 11 foundation upon which any other cultural observation could be layered to place it at an exact moment in space time. I mean, and it says it's easy to hear why a song like Hey Jude or Call Me Maybe are alive in the tapestry of pop music. But Eiffel 65 create a little more of an undead situation.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. That's kind of what I was saying, though. But they said it in a much more poetic and beautiful way. (laughs) But it did give you this, like, glimpse into this rave scene. And then, yes, it became, like, the ubiquitous, like, when you heard the word rave, you're like, oh, yeah, a bunch of, like, people cooler than me listening to stuff like Eiffel 65.
0: Yeah. Or stuff that's even cooler than Eiffel 65. Like, this is my entry point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And It really is a relic it's like a it's like a mummification of music and technology at the time
1: <laughs> yeah it really is it's yeah a video a real
0: real-time capsule
1: well there it is so
0: that's blue daba D da die
1: <laughs> also uh, another song that you have to say the end piece to it holy totally. that's a wrap on
0: this episode of you wanted a hit thanks for listening Good luck getting that song out of here if you enjoyed the show, please do all the things podcasts usually ask you to. They really help. Tell a friend about the show, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, write a review on your favorite podcast app, and visit our website, ywahpod.com. That's ywahpod.com for updates on new episodes and our merch store. We have t shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, stickers, and more, and it all goes back into the podcast. We would love to hear what you thought of the episode, and we also want to hear if there's something that we missed can reach us on instagram and twitter at ywhpod, or directly via email at ywh at gmail.com this podcast was researched produced recorded and edited by me and theo by and our theme music is by hair doctor we'll see you next time